0: Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation. If you have a Bible with you today, will you reach down and grab it? If you don't have one, maybe you're looking with one of those iPhones. Maybe you're using the Five Stones app. I, I found folks using the Five Stones app to... To follow along reach down grab whatever that is and, and let's stand together and turn to the to the gospel of John can I have a few moments of time today John's gospel the 18th chapter John's gospel the 18th chapter We'll read this and, and and ask God's blessing on the word, and then uh, keep your scriptures open, keep the word open. I'm going to go to another reference point in just a moment. Ever since we went live online and and uh, began to to extend our reach from not just our podcast, which was reaching 46 states, now with with online, we're we're live around the country, and and so these guys have been putting a demand on me to. To provide them scripture references. Do you understand how difficult that is for your pastor to have a scriptural reference before I get here? Andy's our executive producer, and those guys are doing an awesome job. I, I really I how I many they're, hey Amen. Yes, if we're gonna bless them, bless them good, all right. But uh, they're doing an awesome job, and and. And and I'm so proud of it. But now now they're like, Pastor, we need text, scripture, title. They asked me to title. Many of you have been with me years. I've never titled a message because I'm never sure what direction I'm going. And so I told him today, I said, I'll get one. I never got one. I know what's on my heart, and I'm not sure how far I can get. But John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, are you there? This is a dramatic narrative from John's writing. In fact, uh, this instant occurs in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to read John's because John happens to name the offender. The other three Gospel writers didn't name Peter as the offender. Now, unfortunately, what John shared wasn't the total picture of the story because he left out the healing in it, but... John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, verse 10. John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, verse 10, please. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in your seat and shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Jesus said, look, we cannot enforce the kingdom with a sword. I'm going to have to continue the path of my death, crucifixion, and ultimately the resurrection. Now when John wrote this, he didn't mention the healing. Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't mention Peter by name, but yet they mentioned that as soon as the ear was cut off, Jesus reached down, picked it up, and put it back on The ear of the servant of the high priest. Father, add your blessings to our time today. Take the next few moments of our time and open our ears to hear and our spirits to receive. May we be open and pliable to what you're about to deposit into our spirit. May we walk out of this house saying, truly, we've been in your presence. We've received a revelatory word, a word that will help us continue to walk out our faith. And may your blessings be upon your servant. Lord, I invoke all blessings upon my life today. I need you, Lord, to speak as only you can. And I yield my life to you as a vessel that you might use it over the next few moments. And I give you the glory in advance for what you're about to establish and accomplish in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Can somebody give God some praise before they're seated? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in his presence today. How many know Peter is often talked about? And many times we talk about Peter because obviously he was quite outspoken, brash, bold. You know, when you think of Peter, you think about him getting out of the boat and walking on water. You think about him being the one that denies the Lord. We, we have all these reference points for Peter, and many times Peter was quite impulsive. Nobody in the building's impulsive, I know, but Peter was quite Im, uh, a boastful, impulsive man. And I think when you look at John 18, obviously this is a, a tragic, traumatic event because what's going on is, is Jesus is about ready to be betrayed. He's being betrayed. It's 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 just about time for him to be brought before the council for a crime he did not commit, in order that he might pay a price for sin that he did not commit either. And so when you look at the, the dramatic events of what's going on during this time period, you you can look at this response of Peter, and how many would say that, that obviously is how Peter reacts? He feels threatened. He feels like now they've come to take the Lord and and carry Him away for judgment, and he responds, and and Jesus somewhat rebukes him and says, listen, the kingdom can't be defended with a sword, and that's still true today. You can't preach the kingdom with a a sword. You can't preach the kingdom or prevail with a sword. You have to still use the resurrection of Christ. But when you look at this story, I, I think sometimes we forget how close Peter was to the Lord. Because if you take a little bit of time, and I'm going to go historical for a moment before I drop some things into your spirit, but when you look at Peter's life, you've got to go back because he was an entrepreneur. He had a fishing business. He was a man who had established his own way, his own career. He had established a way to to profit. He had his own business. And when the Lord came and was introduced to Peter, he was introduced, and, and, and there was such an exchange that for whatever reason that was, Peter followed the Lord from that day forward. We, we're blessed with a lot of business owners in this room. How many of you would, in one encounter, one meeting with the Master, be willing to walk away from your industry? The thing that you had vested in, the thing you had sweat over, the thing you would given birth to, the thing that you had believed God to bless, to prosper you. How how many of you would be willing to walk away? Not sure what the future held, but you would walk away from the very thing that you put your time and your money and your effort into. So before you get too critical on Peter, you've got to understand, he put everything in it. Before you judge him too too harshly for for drawing a sword in that moment, you have to understand, he had walked away from everything that he had put his trust in to follow the Lord who he had followed for the last three years. And during that three-year period of time, he wasn't just an intern. In fact, Peter was in the inner circle of the disciples. Peter... James and John. When Jesus shows His divinity and He's transfigured, who does He show His divinity to? Peter, James, and John. Who's with Him in the inner circle right here when He's going into the garden as He's, as He's dealing with the pending trauma of crucifixion? Who's there with Him? Peter, James, and John. See, Peter was on the inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John who went into Jairus' room where his daughter lay dead and he witnessed Jesus resurrecting Jairus' daughter. Peter wasn't just a follower at distance. He was one who was close to not only the divinity of Christ, but he was also close to the humanity of Christ. And yet so many times, what do we think of when we think about Peter? We think about his denial which is in this chapter in just a few verses. But I I, I found something so interesting with Peter that I I felt like I needed to share. Many would judge Peter for what he hit. You say, well, he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Yeah, but that isn't what he was aiming for. Are you in this building? We can judge him for what we saw that he hit. Because the scripture says all four references of the gospels make reference to the ear being severed. How do you sever an ear off unless you're aiming for something else? See, we judge Peter for what he was aiming for. Jesus is judging him for what he was. What he was? No, wait a minute. Let me back up. We we blame Jesus or we blame Peter for what he hit, not what he was aiming for. Jesus was dealing with what he was aiming for, not what he hit. Give me a minute. I'll work that out for you. Because see, what we see is the effect of what he missed. Because how many know Peter was not aiming for an ear? If I pull out a sword and I begin to wield it, I'm not trying to hit this area here. In fact, the very fact that I hit this means I was aiming for something else. Am I right? Have you ever thought about the people that judge you? No different than what they judge Peter. Have you ever thought about the people that judge you? They judge you on what you did. You ought to be thankful they don't judge you for what you were trying to do. Are you even in this building? Because a lot of what we got caught for was not what we were trying to do. Y'all not even in this building. Because, see, there's some of us in here that we know what we were trying to do was a whole lot worse than what we got caught for. Okay, I forgot I was preaching to the saints. Because, see, here's the reality. Peter is judged for what he hit. Not what he was attempting to do. He wasn't attempting to take his ear off. He was attempting to take his head off. And we judge him for what we see was done. But Jesus said, I know your heart. And you weren't just trying to wound him. You were trying to take him out. Decapitate him. Finish him. See, here's the thing about your life and my life. A lot of what people judge us for is what we got caught doing not what we had planned to do <laughs> Oh you, y'all not in here y'all like I don't know who he's talking about You know he, he got to be talking about somebody on the back row or over there in the No, no, I'm talking about you. Cuz a lot of what I got caught for was obviously not what I was trying to get into. Y'all meditate on that a minute because I don't think you get me yet. Because if you don't get that, you're not going to get this point. Because when I look at Peter, Peter's being judged for severing the ear. And Jesus says, I understand, that's what you hit. But that's not what you aim for. And Jesus knows what we aim for regardless of what the world sees we hit see he knows my heart he knows my intentions he knows me i know you can judge me on my behavior but see jesus sees beyond what i hit and he looks at what i was aiming for hello somebody now now here's a beautiful picture because what happens is and and john doesn't record it i don't understand john's problem with not recording the healing mark does Matthew does. Luke does. For whatever reason, John doesn't record the healing. But if you read the other Gospels, the Bible says that Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, and puts it back on. How many would say that doesn't mean anything? It means everything. It means everything. Because, see, we're still an old school Church. And we don't just preach healing, but we preach the doctrine of justification. You're like, Pastor, what's justification? That's where he pays for what we did. Yo, 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 hold on. Yo, hold on. Jesus judges Peter's heart, but that doesn't deny him from fixing what Peter did. Because what Peter did was an offense. What Peter did was a criminal act. What Peter did was subject to prison. What Peter did was subject to judgment. What Jesus said is, I'll justify it. Because I'm not only going to judge what you were aiming to do and what you did, I'm going to take the evidence No, 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 no. You not you're not got this. You're not got you're too quiet if you've got that. Because here's the thing was Peter guilty of a crime? Absolutely. Right then he's guilty. And before they can collect the evidence before they can collect the evidence and charge Peter with the crime, Jesus says there is no evidence. Why? I fixed. The only people that are quiet are the perfect people. The rest of us who've had. The rest of us who've had Jesus fix some stuff that we should have been charged for. We can't. Oh my God, help me in this house. See, if you're quiet, that's because you're perfect. Those of us who were just clapping and thinking about dancing are those of us that know the power of justification that yeah, we had a bad aim, yes, we had a bad intention, but He fixed it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Have you ever thought about what He fixed for you? That'd make me run the building right there. See, somebody wants to judge you. Somebody wants to charge you. They want to charge you for what you did. And Jesus said, I don't only only know what you did, I know what you were aiming to do. And Jesus said, I don't care what you aimed to do or what you did do. I love you so much, I'm going to get rid of the evidence. (laughs) <laughs> See, you don't know, obviously you ain't been in church enough to understand justification. Because justification is where he takes care of the penalty of sin justification is where I understand it wasn't my merit or my good works or my ability to go to church faithfully that got me out of the penalty of sin. It was where Jesus stepped in, took what I did and what I aimed to do, and He put it back so there was no evidence, so no one can charge me, accuse me, or bring me to penalty because He's my justifier. Woo. Man, that'd make me shout if I was... I don't don't know. I I guess make me shout. You judged me for what I was going to, what I did. You should have seen what I was aiming for. And yet, even at all that, there's no evidence that I ever done anything wrong. Why? Because Jesus can fix what you aim for and even what you did. That's why I still get excited to preach the gospel. Because I know there's some folk coming to this house that absolutely have severed some stuff. And Jesus can put, the, put everything back in a place to where everybody goes, I don't know, there was no crime. How many know that was a dramatic event when that boy's ear fell off? Can you imagine the boy that lost ear? I'm not saying he cried like a girl, but I'm pretty confident. (laughs) He went, wow! And how many know if you cut it off, it fell to the ground. Jesus ain't got time for antiseptic. He ain't got time for clean work. See, you're trying to make Jesus work in a clean, sterile environment. See, you don't understand. He can work in your dirt. Oh, my God. He can work right where the mess is. Since when have we made Jesus a sterile Jesus? Make him work in a sterile environment. He'll work right where your stuff fell off. He'll work right in the middle of the dirt. He'll work right in the midst of the enemy. Because he's surrounded by his enemy. And Jesus goes, I don't know anything. He went, He put it back on to where it looked like it never came off. Why is that so important? Because, see, the plan that Jesus had for Peter when Peter left his business didn't change because of his behavior. Are you in this building? The way Jesus saw Peter, regardless of his brashness, regardless of his his impulsiveness, regardless of his failure, Jesus didn't change his mind. I wish you'd stop living like Jesus changed his mind about you. I wish you'd stop living like he changed his mind. Because once he got his eyes on you, he set in motion for for you a plan and a purpose and an intention that is undeniable. And yeah, you've had some bad aim and you've done some things that you're guilty of. But I'm telling you right now, He is your justifier because His future for you is greater than your present failures. Somebody get a hold of that right there. That will set you free. You say, well, I don't understand it because right after this event, Peter turns around within just a couple verses and denies the Lord. How can you be justified and still deny? Because if you look at Scripture, the Bible says that, that right after this event, in 15th verse, Simon Peter followed Jesus as they're taking him away, and so did the other disciple. And the disciple was known to the high priest, and he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter, verse 16, but Peter stood at the door outside. And by verse 17, you see what happened? The servant girl who kept the door said to, people, said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter goes, you're mistaken. I'm not one of his disciples. Do you all follow me? Was Peter just justified from a penalty of a crime that he had committed as Jesus erased the evidence, and within just a few moments after that, he has a colossal failure? How many would think if you just had Jesus acquit you of a crime you committed, you wouldn't deny Him within the blink of an eye? But yet isn't that the same struggle you and I have? Because we know Him as our justifier. We know that He justified, paid the penalty of all of our sin, but yet we feel the pressure... Of living in a world that that calls us out and says to us, are you one of his disciples? Sometimes it's hard to remember what he fixed when somebody's calling you out. Sometimes it's hard to remember what he fixed in you when people are calling you out. Now, had Jesus not prophesied that this is exactly what would transpire? Hello, somebody. Did Jesus not prophesy that Peter would deny the Lord three times? Right here, based on that prophetic word, three times he's confronted by this little servant girl. And three times he fades in fear. And he denies the Lord. Go to the 20th, 21st chapter with me real quickly. I'm not going to hold you long because I know it's, it's tough in this room. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna succumb to to the temperature of the room in order to hurry. I preached one time while you're looking at John 20, I preached one time in a chicken house that didn't have no air conditioner in the middle of July. I started out in a suit and tie. They didn't fail to tell me where the church was, I didn't know. I showed up in a suit and tie. Come to find out the church was inside a chicken house. Now it was packed full of people. No air conditioning. July. I started in a suit and tie. By the time I was done, I had my sleeves rolled up to here. I was about ready to kick my shoes off. Man, we had church though. Stay with me just a moment because if you get this last little point, I really believe you can leave this house understanding something great about your God. Especially the deposit of Christ in your life. If you didn't get the justification part, you ought to be happy. I mean, that's, that's enough right there to send you to the house. Huh? That was a that's enough right there to get you going. But look at the 21st chapter because this whole, this whole dramatic narrative is, is, is coming to the place because in the 21st chapter, see, Jesus has done been crucified and resurrected. The problem is no one's able to determine that it's Him. Look at chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the, the Sea uh, of Galilee. And, and in this way, he showed himself. All right, did Jesus make himself available to be seen? Yes. Verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and two others, which are unnamed of his disciples, were together. They were together. The disciples of the Lord were together. Jesus shows Himself to them, and they still cannot perceive for whatever reason that He is the Lord. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Use your imagination a minute. Three years ago, he walked away from his business. Three years ago, he committed his life to follow Christ. And now we find him in the 21st chapter. He's been justified, but he's also lived in denial. And here he is in the 21st chapter. And what do you got? You got a young man who is so massively disappointed in his life that he's considering going back to what he used to be. Am I am I right? He is so massively disenfranchised with the future of his life, regardless of being justified, regardless of being acquitted. He's still carrying the massive guilt of what of denying the Lord. And here in the twenty first chapter, he says, "I'm going fishing." There's a Greek word, "hoopago," that, that that is translated out of that, and it, and it means to retire. That's interesting to me. I don't know. I've had a few days where I wanted to retire. I've tried to retire. Justified, denied, and want to quit. Listen, listen, listen. They said to him, who said to them? The rest of the disciples. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out immediately, got into a boat. that they And, and, and at night, they caught nothing. Which means they were intending to fish. I don't believe they were going for a leisure, enjoyable fishing trip. I believe they were going back trying to catch for profitability. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You ever want to go back to what you used to be? you ever know the power of the, of the Lord who justified you, but yet you're still dealing with your own shame, your own guilt, your own failures? Are you not someone like I who've been reminded of all my aims? You ever felt like life disappointed you? You ever felt like the Lord had a plan for you, but for some reason the three years where you were with Him it seemed to be making sense, but now life's out of order? You signed up to serve Him. You went to church. You paid your tithe. You're going to do your best. And it worked for a while. And now it seems like hell broke loose on your doorstep. You ever felt disqualified? Unworthy to receive anything from God and felt like for some reason you're nothing but a denier like Peter? And you're beginning to cave under the fear and the pressure of what am I going to do now? Is anybody in this building? Have you ever been so disenfranchised with your life that you couldn't see Jesus in your presence? You couldn't even see him on the shoreline. There's a few times in my life I've went back to what I wanted to do. It never worked out real well. Because here's what you need to understand. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Because if you're contemplating going back to where you came from, there's no anointing on you to go back to what you... The Bible says that, that Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. Here's the power of influence. Those other disciples said, we'll go with you. Your decision affects others. Your decision affects others. So if you decide to turn your back on the Lord, if you decide to... You say, well, I, I'm just going to turn it back for me. I'm going to turn away from the Lord today. I'm going back to what I used to do. Whatever you choose to do affects somebody else. These other disciples were following Peter. Listen to me. They were not all fishermen. What are they doing following Peter? The Bible says that the, the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, were there. But these other boys weren't fishermen but they're going to follow somebody who has a history. They're going to follow somebody that has a history so that they feel like they have meaning. So if you, if you choose to go back on the things that God spoke to you and you turn to retreat and run away from those things, you will affect others. And those who have never been where you used to be, you will drag them into your past. My, my, my. The Bible says the disciples didn't even know that it was Jesus. One translation says that they were about 100 yards away from the shoreline and they couldn't determine or detect that it was Jesus. Let me read this and I'm going to tie it up we're going to be done, okay? Verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. Then he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Listen, if he's close enough to talk to you, he's close enough to see. Come on, am I captain obvious this morning? If 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 you can hear his voice the Bible says, he says, Drop your net down on the right side. You know Jesus knew they hadn't caught nothing. I believe he planned for them to have that season of catching nothing so that they'd understand that what you go back to doesn't guarantee the same profitability. Because once you've been called out of a thing to think you can go back to a thing and it be profitable for you, you don't understand his call. All right, here we go. Here we go. The Bible says, Jesus said to them, look, drop your net on the right-hand side. So they cast it. And when they did so, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Did he not do that one other time for them? Had he not done this already? He'd done this before. Obviously, the the, the massive catch of fish. Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who's that? John said to Peter, It's the Lord! John goes, Peter! It's the Lord! Who's your John? Who's your John? Who's the John on your boat? Who's in your life right now who's in your boat that says, hey, there's Jesus? I know you're dealing with shame but there's Jesus. I know you're dealing with not forgiving yourself but there's Jesus. I know you feel like you're guilty. There's Jesus. I know you're disqualified but there's Jesus. G- there's Jesus. Who's who's the John on your boat? Who is your John? Who is your John boat? Who is your John? There's your title, boys. Who is the John on your boat? Who is it that can see What you can't see. Who is it that can look at you, Ricky, and go, I see a future for you. There's Jesus. Who is it, Clay, that that can look at you and go, listen, I know you can't see him. I know right now your eyes are clouded over. I know right now you're struggling. But I see him. Because the Bible says, this is a beautiful story. The Bible says that John says, Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment. Because he obviously had removed it. And plunged into the sea. Peter still hadn't seen him. Never said Peter saw the Lord. It said he heard. Can you read your Bible? It didn't say that Peter opened his eyes and saw the Lord. The Bible said that John spoke so prophetically and cut past all the junk in Peter's life that he heard what he needed. He heard what he needed to hear and what he heard was it's the Lord. And so he coat, puts it on, and jumps in the sea. Does that not sound like the St. Peter that when he looked out across the storm and he saw the Lord, he said, Lord, if that be you, bid me come. And he threw his leg over the edge of the boat and walked on water. Why? Because if I heard it's him, that's enough. I ain't got to see him. I just know if I heard him, I'm going. Woo! What he said is, I don't see him, but i got to get rid of the weights on my life. I don't see him, but John, if you say it's him, who's in your life that can speak so profoundly to you that you trust them? Who's in your life that you trust that when they say he's there, you are willing to jump out of your boat? Because, see, we live in a culture, I'm done, just, just give me a second. We live in a culture that lives by sight. I've got to see him. If I don't see him, I'm not getting out in this water. Jesus said, look, I don't, I, I'm right here. He's standing on the shoreline. He didn't go walking on the water this time to Peter. But Peter started cutting off, <laughs> getting off the boat now. He said, look, if you're over there, I'm coming. Here's the beautifulness of the story. The Bible says that he cast off, the boat jumped in, and he went into the sea. The rest of the disciples gathered all that fish and dragged in the nets and came to land. When they got to land, they count the fish. Isn't that interesting? Scripture is a beautiful thing. counted 153 fish. But the Bible says that they were only about 200 cubits. That's about 100 yards. Sometimes Jesus is close and you can't see him because you're not looking. Sometimes Jesus is close to your situation, but you can't see him because you're not looking for him. What you're looking for is you're looking for fish. Fish. You're looking to sustain you. You're looking to the, to the selfishness of you in order to take care of you. And he says, listen, I need to get you a word so you can see what you're not looking for. And sometimes he's going to use somebody to touch another sense in order to get you in your sense. He's going to use your ears so what you hear so you can hear so you can start seeing what he did with john john speaks it's the lord peter hears so he uses the sense of hearing and hearing begins to trigger his faith because faith cometh by Also, oh, faith doesn't come by seeing Hello, are you in here so faith cometh by hearing so when john says it's the lord he hears it it triggers that place of faith that he thought he'd buried that he thought guilt had taken away, shame had taken away, failure had taken away. But when faith hits, that that's just deposited in you, you will leap out of a boat even though you don't see, you just heard. Amen. The Bible says that when he gets to the shoreline, Jesus has done got a fish fry started. Got to love this about the Lord. Here's what's cool about it. By the time they get to the shoreline, Jesus has already got coals there. He's already got fish there. How many know Jesus didn't go fishing? He was over there asking them if they had any. He didn't need their fish. So they get to the shoreline. He's already got the, the fire hot and He's already got fish cooking. They're about to have fish for breakfast. And they all gather around. And then the reconciliation starts. The reconstruction starts. Three times Peter denied the Lord. Three times Jesus asked the question, Do you love me, Peter? Stand with me in this room. Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation.